You're listening to the Multifamily Market Watch for Washington State. Apartment owners who need to know, trust HFO. The leading source for multifamily industry news around the state, from Puget Sound to the Tri-Cities. Welcome back to Multifamily Market Watch for Washington State. This is your host, Aaron Douglas. With me today is Washington Lieutenant Governor Denny Hack. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Um, first off, can you talk about what a lieutenant governor does? <laughs> it's actually easier to talk about what I don't do. I've been involved in public service intermittently for 50 years. This is my 50th year, and I've never encountered a position about which there were more common misconceptions than this one. Most mm-hmm. people think the lieutenant governor is like the deputy governor right. Washington State. That's not true. We're elected independently. We don't even have to be a part of the same ticket. political party. Okay. We're not on the same ticket, and I'm not a part of that administration per se. Or they think I'm the 50th state senator. Actually, there are only 49. People are always asking me, why don't you introduce a bill to do X, Y, or Z? And the answer is, well, because constitutionally, I don't have the right to introduce legislation. Okay. Instead, Lieutenant Governor is A, an insurance policy in case the governor gets hit by a truck, because then I would become the governor. Two, the president of the Senate. I'm the presiding officer. I chair the rules committee. And then thirdly, as in everybody's job, other duties as assigned. Okay. So the issue of housing, I understand, has been a big focus of yours. Can you share how you see housing from your perspective and offer some insight into any thoughts or plans that you have for the state? Well, it is a big interest of mine. It's been a big interest of mine for a long time. When I had the privilege to serve as a member of the United States Congress from Washington State's 10th Congressional District, I chaired the housing task force in the House. Okay. Uh, they developed several reports, I think, bringing an early spotlight to the fact that we were in a housing supply problem. I carried that interest forward when I became lieutenant governor. And last year, I asked, for example, the legislature to provide us with some resources to undertake a business competitiveness study, which we hadn't done in a decade, under the auspices of something called the Legislative Committee on Economic Development. Remember other duties as assigned? Yeah. I chair that. It's bicameral, bipartisan. And lo and behold, a business competitiveness study included, among other things, a survey of economic development professionals who concluded that the number one barrier to economic growth in Washington state, number one was lack of access to housing. Nobody Mm -hmm. had ever determined that that had such a big impact on our ability to keep a healthy economy. And so we have been out promoting a lot of the problem statement to raise awareness, to create a better authorizing environment, if you will, Mm -hmm. for the legislature actually to take meaningful action. Or perhaps, Aaron, my interest stems back more than 50 years ago when I briefly made my living in the summers being a roofer for a building, uh, for a home builder. Okay. So can we talk a little more about the current shortfall of housing? Um, There was a report, I mean, the numbers changed once in a while about how many how, how many houses, With the shortages. Yeah. And the latest report that I've seen was out of up for growth and econ Northwest. And they said between 2012 and 2019, the underproduction in Washington was 140,000 units. Um, does that sound about right to you or are there other numbers you've heard that 
I have, but it doesn't matter because whatever the number is, it's big. We know that. (laughs) It's it's a hard area to count. (laughs) But to the degree that our science and our methodology is getting better, we know it's at least 140 to 150,000. And what we mean by that is the level of housing necessary to meet the unstimulated demand. Mm -hmm. So there are 140 to 150,000 households, put another way, who do not have housing of their own that would like to have it. That's pretty significant, even in a state the size of Washington now, which is closing in on 8 million people. Uh, Industry experts see challenges in addressing the shortfall through, um, and and they're hoping to make some of those changes in zoning codes, which uh, I believe Washington has made some recent changes to its zoning codes. No. Nope. There have been multiple efforts to do so, however, and that element Mm -hmm. of increasing supply uh, will definitely be a part of the debate that will rage in the January 2023 session of the Washington legislature. Okay. And do you know what some of those efforts might entail? So uh, to distill it down, most of these efforts are known by the moniker of middle housing. Right. And what they attempt to do is either incent or compel local municipalities to, in effect, sometimes with certain conditions, but nonetheless move away from single-family zoning uh, to allow for more density, to increase supply. And this can take a whole bunch of forms from more liberal laws relating to the addition of ADUs, accessory dwelling mm-hmm. units, or du- or creating duplexes or triplexes or quadplexes in certain areas. But it's, it's very controversial. You have a lot of pushback from local governments, despite mm-hmm. the fact that many local governments are actually doing a lot of this on their own. Right. Uh, you have a lot of pushback from what we all know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. as NIM be forces, not in yes. my backyard, but it will be a part of the debate. But look, Aaron, we have a serious housing supply problem. In fact, I would characterize it as a housing crisis in this country, mm-hmm. definitely in Washington state, which by the way, if I might digress, has the worst housing supply problem in the country as measured thusly. Mm. If you take the average number of housing units per household, Mm-hmm. In the country, it's 1.14. In other words, there's 1.14 housing units for every household. Why do we have more than one? Some people have second homes. Some people have moved. They haven't been able to sell the home they were in. You name it, there are a bunch of reasons. National average, 1.14. Washington State, 1.06. That is the lowest in the United States of America. So we're really feeling this in Washington State. Mm-hmm. And of course, Because God has not repealed the law of supply and demand. What that (laughs) means is home prices are up, 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 up. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that uh, uh, the the state can do about permit times and inspection lags? Should and I, I hope will. So permitting reform is what that is known by. Mm -hmm. And there will be several proposals in the January 23 session. Uh, Indeed, By one measure, the report that I alluded to that we, Mm -hmm. the business competitiveness report, uh, concluded that uh, greater Seattle, perhaps at Central Puget Sound, I don't recall, 
it's a distinction distinction without much of a difference, is the fourth most regulated in the country mm-hmm. in terms of uh, gaining permits. So we know the time that it takes to get permits adds cost to uh, construction and housing units. We know sometimes it adds so much time that construction just isn't undertaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we know that permitting reform is an important part of this. But Aaron, here's the deal. The provision of housing units, this is a complex three-dimensional ecosystem. And we can point to any one of these things, but we have to understand we probably need to do all of these things. Mm-hmm. We need zoning reform. We need permitting reform. We need to make sure we have available land you know, on which to build. We need to be paying attention to the available supply of labor because we know that uh, home builders in particular are having a hard time finding people to, to drive hammers and pound nails. Right. It's all mm-hmm. of these things that mm-hmm. have to be looked at. And you can't look at just one without looking at the other. In fact, I was having a conversation the other day with, uh, I think, a really thoughtful member of the Washington State House of Representatives who said, you know, she said, Lieutenant Governor, when we do this permitting reform or zoning reform, rather— we need to understand that when that translates down to the municipal level, mm-hmm. that means people. Mm-hmm. If it requires people, it need, you need people at the permit counter, you need planners, all of these people to be able uh, to identify where we can undertake zoning reform or to process permits. So it is an ecosystem. You can't just point to one and think and pass it and think you've solved it. NIMBYism, as you referred to earlier, is from neighbors who file lawsuits often to stop or delay construction in their neighborhoods. And and those frequently are the same people who are saying we need more housing. Uh, they just don't want to have it in their neighborhood. Is there anything that can be done to educate the public at large to get them to accept the fact that everyone needs to have more housing shelter? in their neighborhood. There's a novel thought. Everybody <laughs> needs shelter. Yeah. Gosh, Aaron. Uh, well, look, I think the good news here is that we're really beginning to make some progress. There is considerable NIMBY uh, movement afoot on a decentralized basis. But you know what else is being stood up? Mm-hmm. Beginning to get some fuel in the gas tank? Yimbyism. Right. Yes, in my backyard. People right. who see it just the opposite. Right. Uh, and the reality is, is this housing crisis becomes more and more severe and more and more people are affected. Mm-hmm. Again, to use that phrase I like, the authorizing environment gets more receptive to it. Mm-hmm. People begin to understand that this is something that absolutely has to be done or a really bad situation is going to get even worse. And one of the things I I think is important to point out here is that a lot of nimbyism is based on the ill-conceived premise that if you, quote, change the character of my neighborhood, end quote, then my home value is going to be hurt. Right. That's not what the research says at all. And as more people become more aware of that, I think we knock out one of the legs under the stool mm-hmm. of people who just are obstructing progress. Are there any success stories you can share about what the state of Washington is doing to encourage more housing development? Is there anything that you can think of that's happening right now? Well, as it turns out, our most recent legislature 
actually appropriated $825 million to attack this issue. And it was for all manner of things, mostly focused on the affordable uh, housing side of the income strata. Uh, And they were very proud of that because in historical terms, that was a multiple of any uh, uh, commitment in this area by past legislative sessions. And included in that $825 million was sufficient funds to build 2,000 affordable units. Uh, it was it was a great step forward, a higher commitment than ever. But as I point out to them, to their chagrin, uh, you know, if we did that every year for 70 years, we might get even. Because at 2,000 units a year, we're not beginning to touch it. That's why... This is going to require an all-of-the-above effort by local, state, and federal government and the private sector. The public sector cannot appropriate sufficient supplies for us to build our way out of this Mm -hmm. for affordable housing. And, oh, by the way, it's really important for people to understand people on the lower end of the income strata are the ones that get hurt the worst by absence of supply. And they really get hammered. In fact, our State Department of Commerce has concluded that the number one leading cause of homelessness is lack of access to affordable housing. But the reality is we need to build more homes of all kinds for all our neighbors because, as as I said earlier, this is an ecosystem. What do I mean by that? We're not building very many starter homes. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of competition for what we have. We have boomers like me who are downsizing. Mm-hmm. And you have some people that want to buy that first home, get that first rung on the ladder. And we're not building them. So what does that cause to happen, Aaron? Cause people mm-hmm. to stay renting. They stay renting. Occupancies go up. If occupancies go up, rents go up. If rents go up, more people are cost burdened. More people become pos- cost burdened. What happens? You have more homelessness. So this is an ecosystem and we need to look at it in terms of overall supply, but with our highest emphasis, I think, on affordable housing. I'm wondering whether you have any comments on regulations in some cities that are causing single family rental owners to throw in the towel and pull those rentals off the market. I know there have been, there are statistics um, that are published uh, online and the Washington Multifamily Housing Association has cited those statistics um, talking about Seattle's exodus of rental properties. And the first six months of 2022, the trend of housing providers leaving the Seattle market hasn't slowed down. And the rental property registration database for Seattle showed um, a net loss of properties, even though it was still building um, apartment buildings and whatnot, and that thousands of these single-family home rentals have come off the market because it's too burdensome to comply with all the regulations. Well, the answer is yes. I think we have to be concerned about it. I think, in fact, we always have to be concerned if we're going uh, too far or engaging in overreach as it relates to regulation, even if it's the most noble of purposes that is attempted to be served and make sure that our efforts are not counterproductive. But again, I'm going to go back, Aaron, to, you know, this is an ecosystem. There's a lot of things that impact this. Overregulation is one. Uh, I might argue that conceivably, under-regulation of uh, uh, bed and breakfasts mm-hmm. may be 
a contributor to this because the number of people who are converting their homes to to uh, uh, bed and breakfasts also uh, mm-hmm. takes its bite out of the available housing stock. So it's a complex uh, uh, situation. I'm wondering if uh, anybody has started talking yet about, uh, I mean, I've been reading statistics that Washington has added the last decade about 100,000 people every year to the state. And I'm wondering uh, if anyone's thought about what how, how much more that's going to increase with climate migration when people in you know, California start running out of water or they're just constant fires or their houses burn down and they end up coming here because we have water. I think it's a really good question. Yes, some people have done some uh, uh, calculus on that. I don't know that they've yet been able with too much precision to be able to project the uh, net increase in in in-migration associated with climate change, but ours is a growing state. I was born here, lived all my life here except for my service in Washington, D.C. I was born in 1952. We were approximately one-third the size we are now, Mm -hmm. from about 2.5 million to now over 7.5 million. Uh, And we're going to continue to grow even without climate change. We're going to grow more as a consequence of climate change. Uh, The fact of the matter is this is a pretty desirable place to live. But neither our federal nor our state constitution allow us to pull the moat up. Uh, If somebody (laughs) wants to move here in this free country, that is their right. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to share today? Uh, I think, yes, thank you for asking. I, I think it's important that people understand how many dimensions there are to the housing supply crisis and what the consequences of that are. Now, we all see that in terms of increased cost because when demand and supply Mm -hmm. are out of whack, costs go way up. And oh, by the way, this increase in 30-year fixed mortgage rates is not Mm going to solve this. Adam Smith's invisible hand will not solve this. (laughs) Our supply will still be highly deficient to the demand, Mm -hmm. even factoring in the fact that rates are now at 7% 7% may even mm-hmm. float a little bit higher. So we know that costs go up. We know that rents go up. We know that people defer being able to buy their first home. And what does that do? It reduces retirement security. Mm-hmm. Home equity is the number one asset of the average American. And so the later it is that you buy that first home, the less of a nest egg you have at the end. We know as well that the current situation with increasing cost is environmentally harmful. And why is that? Because if you're a teacher or a firefighter and you can't buy a home in Seattle where you work, you're going to go farther and farther Mm -hmm. and farther out until you can. And what that means, more infrastructure, more roads, Mm -hmm. more stormwater runoff, pollution into Puget Sound, more tailpipe pollution. Mm -hmm. Thirdly, it means that the racial wealth gap grows even wider. Mm -hmm. The truth is the racial wealth gap in this country is the housing gap. 
Well over 60% of white Americans own their homes, 30-some percent of black Americans. And we all know, unfortunately, this is a terrible, awful legacy mm -hmm. of redlining from generations mm -hmm. ago. If we want to close the racial wealth gap, we better figure out a way to help people who have traditionally been discriminated against own their first home. All of these things are a consequence of a, a, an inadequate supply of housing that we would be well served by attacking. Are there things that you know right now that may be coming in the next legislative session as far as specific bills or uh, things that uh, will be brought to the forefront about housing? Yes, and the line forms around the corner for the first time. <laughs> and I, again, this is my 50th year. 50 years ago this year, I was hired by the Washington State Legislature to be a part of their research staff. So I've seen, I've been, I've been in and out. In fact, I've been out more than I've been in, but I've been around this process for, for 50 years now. First time in that, in that period of time, a half century, which is amazing. I'm only 54 years old. How is that possible? The first time in a half century, Aaron, where I can say with relative con confidence that the issue of housing writ large will be a top tier issue before the legislature. They will act. They will act along a variety of fronts. Whether or not it will make a material difference and an impact to be determined. Mm -hmm. Washington State Lieutenant Governor Denny Heck, thank you so much for spending some of your time with us. You're more than welcome, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Our entire office specializes in multifamily real estate, making HFO the largest multifamily brokerage in the Pacific Northwest. Your success is our passion. Build your legacy with HFO. Call 503-241-5541 or visit our website at hfore.com for more information. HFO is an affiliate of the Global Real Estate Advisor Network.